We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app the finger pointing hasn't let up amid the alarming statistics about the numbers of murders and shootings in chicago and about the young people innocent and otherwise gunned down and officials have been blaming each other for the number of dangerous people still roaming the streets well, Timothy Evans, the chief judge of the Cook County Courts, spoke out this week, and you should hear what he had to say. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. This past week, Police Superintendent David Brown, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, and Cook County State's Attorney Kimberly Fox were together to announce arrests and charges in the murder of eight-year-old Melissa Ortega, killed by a stray bullet in Little Village. It's a sign of the times that among the first questions the three were asked was about the fact that the mayor and Superintendent Brown have criticized Fox for her handling of some violence cases, and she's criticized the police over gathering evidence. It's all about who's allowed to be free pending trial and who's not. Well, the mayor and the superintendent have also been critical of the courts on that score. They say judges allow too many dangerous people accused of violent crimes to wait out their cases on the streets, and they commit more crimes. Cook County Chief Judge Timothy Evans said he wanted to clear the air, so he gave a lunchtime address at the Union League Club Thursday, and we thought this would be a good opportunity for you to get beyond the usual 20-second sound bites and hear things from the source. In this half hour, you'll hear some highlights of what was about an hour of remarks and questioning by the audience and a follow-up session with reporters. Evans did not duck any questions. He started his prepared remarks with an acknowledgement that there have been far too many shootings and murders in recent years. The public has a right to safety. But of course, as desirable as it might be in this crime crisis that we face, to keep the dangerous individuals behind bars, we still have to do so by providing those accused of committing these horrendous crimes the due process of law. One's liberty in our system of government is precious, and it is among those unalienable rights that Thomas Jefferson talked about in our Declaration of Independence. And that guarantees every citizen, even those acting badly, the rights of a citizen in our community. Ensconced boldly in the Fifth Amendment of our Constitution is this right to liberty that I'm talking about. And they point out there that this right to liberty cannot be denied by our government 
without due process of law. And these rights to due process are underlined and undergirded by the Sixth Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment as well. And so, as the court attempts to carry out its responsibilities, I want to rush to say <clears throat> we have not found it necessary to scapegoat any of our fellow stakeholders in the criminal justice process. Oh, we might differ from time to time, but I think that you could easily say that we all share the same objective, and that is to have a safe and peaceful community. A question has arisen, though, as to whether our courts properly hold defendants accountable when they have been accused of a crime. And in view of that fact, I would like to take this opportunity to explain truly what the court's obligation is. Of course, he talked about the presumption of innocence and the need for evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone accused of a crime really committed it. And Judge Evans stressed that roughly 90% of people tried for violent crimes in Cook County are convicted. But when the issue is public safety, it's what happens before any trial that's controversial. And perhaps the most controversial part is electronic monitoring. Defendants are not behind bars, but they must wear an ankle bracelet that's supposed to let authorities know where they are. EM, as they sometimes call it, was originally supposed to be for only nonviolent crimes, but it's evolved into something else. Mayor Lightfoot has pleaded with Judge Evans to put a moratorium on allowing electronic monitoring for anyone charged with murder or some other violent crimes. He rejected that, but he also had some interesting and maybe even surprising numbers to share with his audience. You may not know it, but the number of electronic monitoring cases under the sheriff has gone steadily down. As an example, in July of last year, there were 3,500 cases under the electronic monitoring auspices of the sheriff's office. This month, instead of 3,500, it's 2,500. A thousand cases no longer uh, under the sheriff using electronic monitoring. And let me rush to say something else. And we are taking a look at some of these statistics. It appears so far from our review of the statistics that not one person who has been charged with murder or even attempted murder has been ordered to electronic monitoring under the sheriff since October of last year. So that whole process is changing, and I just want you to be well aware of it. Let's talk now about that part of the court cases that's not so well known, although it is the center of a lot of controversy, and that is this pretrial phase. And I should also say that when people talk about the pretrial phase here in Cook County, if they are not sure what takes place, if they are not sure whether somebody could be released just because they've been arrested, they don't consider what the law is. And so let me, let me start with the law as it was pronounced in the Salerno case back in 1987. It was a case 
written by Justice Rehnquist, the chief justice at that time. And what he said is crystal clear law. And that is that the norm after somebody is arrested is for them to be released pretrial. And that was because, as he said in that same case, that everyone is presumed to be innocent until proven guilty. And if the norm was not to release somebody who's been arrested, no matter what the charge was, you could not recognize that norm. But he said there were a few limited exceptions. And they made that clear in the case. If somebody is a flight risk, they can be held pretrial. If somebody is a clear and present danger, a threat against somebody in the community, they can be held pretrial. And the law in the state of Illinois goes even further than that. It says, for example, that you cannot hold somebody pretrial in Cook County and any place else in the state of Illinois unless the facts are in and delivered to the court. And they have to be. The proof has to be evident or the presumption that the person is guilty of the crime that brought that person to court that presumption has to be great that the defendant is guilty of that in the pretrial setting, one or the other. And you have to be able to show in Cook County and Illinois that the person is, in fact, a clear and present danger, a threat to somebody else. But in addition to that, it is necessary under our law, before you could hold somebody in jail pretrial, the state's attorney has to file a petition calling for that. I never hear this discussed when people say, oh, wait a minute, this person was arrested yesterday and now he's back in the community. Yeah, that's what the law says, unless under this due process system, these rights have to be abridged. And that's what I'm anxious to talk about a little bit here, because our judges are under enormous pressure on these pretrial issues. And notwithstanding the pressure, they have to deliver a fair, an unbiased, an impartial decision, notwithstanding the pressure that they are under. And they do that because that's the only way that the public will have confidence in government making the decision. And what does that mean? What that means is our system does not permit the accuser to be the judge. Our system does not permit 
law enforcement or the prosecutor to be the judge because they can't be unbiased. The only one who can be unbiased is the judge. And that's why the burden is on the shoulders of our judges to decide whose liberty must be deprived. Judge Evans talked about the numerous factors the judges must weigh before they can hold someone in pretrial detention. And let's be clear, in the most serious cases, it could be months or even years before a case is resolved. Judge Evans mentioned that petition from the state's attorney that's needed. Well, keep that in mind, because we're going to hear about that again later. Another element is the public safety assessment tool. It's essentially a checklist of things a judge should ascertain about whether a person's potentially dangerous or not. Judge Evans says it is being reevaluated. I believe if the apprehension takes place and if the evidence is produced and that evidence is given to the judges who are sitting over there, I think they can find out if somebody is a clear and present danger to somebody in the community. They can check to see whether the state's attorney has filed that petition to hold this dangerous person during the uh, pendency of the case at a, the pretrial level. And I think that could help get some of these dangerous arrestees off of the street in time. But let me rush now to talk to you about um, a new policy that I'd like to add to what all of us are doing. There is no, there's no magic potion that we can pass out that's going to automatically do it. We have to try things that have not necessarily been fully positioned so far. And the one that I'm talking about, I've talked with um, our presiding judge, um, Erica Reddick, who is, who is seated uh, and having lunch with us today about it. And it is one that we have worked with the National Center for State Courts on. And it's called Differentiated Case Management in the Criminal Division. And what that does, it, it expedites the disposal of criminal felony cases. And what it does further is it balances the focus on the administration side with the part that deals with due process of law for the crime uh, person who's been accused of the crime. Essentially what he's talking about is speeding up when a case might come to trial. And he says the new management policy will be accompanied by the assigning of five additional judges to keep things moving. You should know that the audience, which included a higher than typical percentage of judges, loudly applauded for that. But of course, there's a lot of interest in electronic monitoring, and Judge Evans had a lot to say about it. Personally, I would prefer not to have electronic monitoring. I believe therapy is better. Uh, the, the thing about electronic monitoring is it just tells people where a person happens to be. If, if it's the kind that, uh, for example, the sheriff uses, he uses GPS electronic monitoring. So what they do is they can track a person wherever that person happens to be, as long as the, the um, impediments like the tall buildings are not in the way. In Chicago, watch out. Um, we use it too when we have to. For example, uh, in the domestic violence cases, we use it so that we can protect 
the victims, or potential victims, from the potential perpetrators. And here's the way that works. The GPS system um, gives a zone, uh, uh, what I'll call is a, a zone that the perpetrator can't go into, and it's a, a, a zone that the potential victim has around the victim's house, around the office where the victim works, and so forth. And also, we can contact the victim. We can say, um, uh, Madam Victim, uh, the potential perpetrator is outside of Macy's right now on the um, Washington side. If you have to leave, please go out the Randolph side. Don't go out the Washington side. He's in a zone that he shouldn't be in, but we want to tell you so you can avoid getting attacked. So uh, in answer to your question, the electronic monitoring can be used in several ways. One, one uh, part of it is if a person is supposed to be at home between 7 at night and 7 in the morning, we use a different kind of electronic monitoring. It's, um, it's radio waves instead of the GPS type system. Um, and so it's, a, it's an intricate system. But if I had it my way, uh, I wouldn't rely on electronic monitoring alone. It's good if that's all you have. But the thing about cognitive behavioral therapy is it takes into consideration what the downside of consequences might be. A lot of these young people, for example, that we were talking about earlier, they don't realize what the consequences are of their actions. And so the cognitive behavioral therapy tells them, hey, no, no, if you get in that car with your friend, you know good and well your friend didn't have enough money to buy a new car. But did you know if you get in that car and there's a gun in there, you can be charged with possession of that gun, you can be charged with that car being stolen, uh, and all kinds of things. So that's, what, that's the difference between the cognitive behavioral therapy and the electronic monitoring. Yeah, the electronic monitoring, if it's GPS, they can tell us the kid is in the car, but it doesn't stop that kid from, real, uh, from failing to realize that there are consequences to that kid's actions. You're listening to At Issue on WBBM News Radio. I'm Craig Delamore, and we're hearing highlights from a rare public address by Cook County Chief Judge Timothy Evans delivered at the Union League Club last Thursday. He talked about violent crime, punishment, pretrial detention, and public safety. During questions and answers with the audience, Judge Evans was asked what he thinks could help reduce violent crime in the neighborhoods before it gets to the felony courtrooms. He talked about alternative programs like restorative justice, but he also says many of the things that we've also heard Mayor Lightfoot discuss, like economic equity. In, in parts of our, our county and parts of our city, we, we can go in into that community and we can see the disinvestment there. The, um, the employers have moved out. Uh, they're usually free of um, an adequate place to find uh, uh, good grocery stores where you can get fresh fruit and fresh vegetables. Uh, those are the communities I'm talking about. And what I'm saying is that people live in these communities and many of them don't do as others do. Others try to get scholarships, try to get a job someplace, try to make it in spite of the poverty. Many of them take the easy way out. They go into the crime. And what I'm trying to say is that I think if we can have reinvestment in those communities, if we can show people 
that they don't have to engage in crime in order to be able to support their families. I mean, just look at it this way. If you see some kid, and you know how cold it was in the last couple of days. If you see some kid out there with sub-zero weather trying to sell drugs, and you tell that kid, hey kid, um, I have a job for you that will give you a salary and that will enable you to support your family, and it's indoors, <laughs> out of the cold weather, which would you rather do? Would you rather stand here and fight with the other gang members and then fight with the guy who you had to give your money to, or would you rather take a chance on getting a decent job? I say, Judge, he will choose that job every time. That's what I say. We just have to give them that option and let them see what it is that makes that option the better of the two. And let me rush to say this. In many of these communities, they don't have parents like you had and like I had. They don't have people who would tell them what is the best choice. They see the guy driving the big Cadillac. They see the guy with the money. He's, he's passing out the money everywhere. And they think, oh, that's the way to do it. Maybe I can be like him if I stand out here on this cold ground doing uh, the wrong thing. I think that's where economic equity starts, where we give opportunity and reinvestment in the areas. And you know these areas, they've been the one redlined, where the mortgage money couldn't get in. Judge Timothy Evans had to dance around the arrests in the Melissa Ortega murder. He can't talk about pending cases, but he did address why the courts go easier on those who seem to be violent juveniles because their brains are still forming, he says, and they can change. No, we don't give up on the kids. We continue to try to help them. And no, we don't put them uh, in a dangerous situation. We try to stop that. But hypothetically, uh, if somebody is placed on electronic monitoring as a, as a juvenile, and they are moving in the right direction, and I, I, I think when this particular case comes out, and we know the tragedy that is, is attendant to that case, so I can't talk about that case. But I think what you'll see with some of these juveniles is that if we assume that they're going to mess up, a judge doesn't put on blindfolders. The judge says, okay, we want you to do 1 through 10. And while you're doing 1 through 10, you're going to be on electronic monitoring. So we can see what you're doing. And when the person does 1 through 10, we, some judges say, okay, now we got you with a mentor. We got you uh, getting mental health treatment. We got you with the drug rehabilitation people. We're going to give you a chance to take that electronic monitoring off because... It's embarrassing for them to go around with their friends and they got the big uh, ankle thing, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the bracelet on their, on their um, ankle. If they want to get job training, they show up with an ankle bracelet, what does the employer say? So that's, it, it's, it's a, a motivational tool to try to not give up on the young person. Sometimes um, the people they try to help are unreconstructed, we know that. But sometimes 
they do so well that the kid comes back to help other kids. Judge Evans met with reporters who peppered him with questions about how he can explain to the public how habitual offenders or people carrying guns can keep being freed pending trial. And doesn't that make the neighborhoods less safe? Well, that's where the evidence needs to come in. If somebody has the evidence to show that so-and-so who got caught with a gun is a clear and dangerous person against somebody in the community, that person can be kept, as long as, of course, the, the petition is filed by the state's attorney. The judge can then keep that person in. That's where the evidence comes in. It's not who says this and who says... Well, in, in, the, in the typical case, well, that's what I'm saying. In the typical case where there are multiple convictions, I already gave you that test. The chances are, nine times out of ten, that that person with multiple convictions for violent crime, depending upon the facts that come in on this case, and you, you would be the last one, John. Well, I know. Another case, another case, another case. All right, let, let's take that. If you take a look at the cases reported by CWB, they're talking about the arrest that just took place, and they might disagree with uh, a judge who released somebody. But they can't tell you whether the person who was arrested did it this time simply because he did it before. And I, I know we're probably imposing, but I, I, I just, I, I, I hope. How often is that well, we're checking that too, and um, we we have some disturbing uh, information that's coming in so far, but it's reliant upon um, what code the clerk's office uses. And um, one of the things that I hope is not true, since uh, the Gill case was um, uh, announced by the appellate court. The Gill case was announced, I believe, in December of uh, 2019. The Gill case underlined what I just told uh, John and others, um, that the state's attorney's office has to file the petition before a judge can order somebody um, to remain in jail pretrial. Uh, and the figure that we saw so far since uh, December um, of 2019 was there were thousands of opportunities to file that petition and the record that the clerk gave to my office showed that only 385 petitions had been filed by the state's attorney's office. Now, the state's attorney says that that's not true, and here's the proof that it may not be true. Uh, they they did a, a quick, um, and I don't I don't know how many uh, times they did this, but the one that I was told about is they um, identified ten or twelve cases out of these hundreds of cases that they had the copy of the petition that was actually filed by the state's attorney. And they then uh, chose those at random, and then they went to see what the clerk's record showed. And the clerk's record missed at least 
five of, of the 10 or 12 that they chose at random. In other words, the state's attorney was able to produce the petition, but somehow the clerk's record didn't reflect what was being produced. So what should the public expect next? Judge Evans says first they get to the bottom of what's happened to the petitions the state's attorney's office filed to keep some suspects behind bars. We, we are, we have de uh, demanded to have the, the facts and meetings are set with the clerk's office to uh, try to get to the bottom of it. The state's attorney's office has a representative that says that they can show that um, they um, filed more petitions than the clerk's office is reflecting. So uh, we are going to see, and, and of course the, the record is kept by, our, um, by the clerk. But let me just say what I hope you would tell them and I hope they can see from uh, proceedings like this, that it's not the charge that decides who is released based upon the pretrial, it is the due process that includes the evidence. And I hope before they conclude that the judge did something wrong, they can take a look and see whether there is evidence to show that the person did what the person has been accused of doing. My thanks to the Union League Club for allowing us to record Judge Timothy Evans' remarks and his answers to many questions afterwards. He was there for two and a half hours. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 105.9 WBBM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 